So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. song called I Wish. You guys like Point of Grace? It's so country-ish, you know? a good song very popular song actually anyway thank you guys for coming in i'm glad that you're here you know every day i i have probably the best job in periscope because i get to do what i love and i really do love it i love coming to you virtually 
I'm virtually coming to you. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, and talking to you about things, you know, biblical, um, you know, and talking about the things of God. I think it's a great thing. I think more people need to do it who are Christians. Um, and hopefully we bring this to you with a little bit of joy, a little bit of pep, <laughs> uh, occasional snarkiness, you know, but hopefully mostly informative and biblical. Yeah. Just so you know. So here's a, here's, here's a confession. Just so you know, I have a really bad headache right now. I woke up with it. It's one of these sinus headaches. How many of you get sinus headaches in the back of your head? It's like you wake up, it's like right here. And I know it's because of the weather. Because here in Tennessee where we're at, it's been completely raining most of the morning. And it's, ugh. it's It's one of these, it's like bright light. Like even having this light on me today is like, you know, <laughs> but I'm good. I, I keep it on anyway. But anyway, so that's kind of where I'm at. So if I go, huh, what, or whatever, if I'm distracted, it's because I am actually distracted. But, but I was going through news and, um, I come up with a couple of stories today that I thought were very interesting that have the, the ironic tie of Christians in politics. And, you know, I've been a, an activist, a Christian activist, uh, you know, for quite some time. And, and, um, you know, I have, I have feelings. <laughs> I think everybody should be able to run in politics. I don't care if you're a Christian, an atheist, Muslim, a Jew. I don't care. Catholic, uh, Sikh, Hindu. I don't care. Buddhist. If your desire is to serve your community and your government, then I think you should be able to serve if you're ethical and honest. I don't think, you know, scammers and cheaters and liars should be in government, but Apparently they didn't get the memo, did they? (laughs) So anyway, but so here, but here's the thing, you know, uh, to, to tell somebody that if you're a Christian, you have to shed your worldview when you go to work, you know, that's absolutely ridiculous and insane. It, It really is. I mean, we don't ask Muslims to shed their worldview when they go to their job. In fact, we court them and we give them prayer maps and, and, Prayer mats, rather, not prayer maps, prayer mats. And we let them pray five times a day towards Mecca, right? I mean, our government does. In case you didn't know that, for sure, under Obama, for sure they did. They probably still do, for all I know. But, I mean, here's the thing. I don't ask a Catholic to shed their worldview when they go to work. I don't ask an atheist to do that either. Do you? Right. I'm going to say, even the... uh... Israeli government in the Knesset, they have a Muslim prayer room. Do they? Yeah. Oh, look at you. Israel, you you know, the Jewish state. You are here on my side. Yes. Right there. Mm -hmm. Did I point the wrong way? No, you did not. (laughs) No. (laughs) The new new meaning to poke. On my right. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, so today when I was doing some, uh, you know, some show prep this morning, I came up with a couple of uh, really interesting, very fascinating stories, which lead me to our quote of the day. Wait, before we get to our quote, though, I want to say hi to everybody that I can see. So I see Megan, a pillar of our community, and I see Mia, also a pillar of our community, and Vicki and Melanie, also pillars of our community. The pillars of the community are here, people, and there's... Joel, I think that's Joel. I can't see the picture there. And let's see here. Ed, hi Ed. And 
Rashida. Is that Rashida? I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, you guys. I can't see very good. I have an eye doctor appointment tomorrow. So who knows? Maybe I'll have spectacles on my face again at some point. Uh, but anyway, hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Okay. Now let's get to our quote of the day. Now let's do it. Mm-hmm. Susie. Hi, Susie. Okay. So this comes from Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, which says very simply, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? I know I say this all the time. I want to give you guys the context, however. So if you have your Bible, or maybe you, you can read your Bible later, I'll just read it to you right now. Second Timothy chapter 3 is a very powerful chapter. Listen to this. It says, But realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres follow, folly was also. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Ichnium, and at Lystria. What what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. And then the verse, Indeed, all who desire to live godly Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed to worse, being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, uh, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Now I love this because Timothy is a young man, right? Uh, he was mentored by Paul, and he was an older guy. And I love this because when you think about it, this was written like thousands of years ago. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> I, I read the Bible every day, and I go, wow. I never go, man, this is like a couple thousand years old, this book I'm reading, you know, and, and, and even older than that, because it's so appropriate for today. But listen to what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, uh, but realize this, in the last days, wonderful times are going to come. For men will be lovers of others, lovers of uh, giving away money, uh, unboastful, selfless, you know, peaceful, you know, 
completely obedient to parents, grateful, holy, loving. They will want reconciliation. They don't want to gossip. You know, they'll have complete self-control. They'll be tender-hearted, you know, lovers of good, untreacherous, completely not reckless, not conceited, lovers of God instead of lovers of pleasure. It doesn't say that, you guys. And yeah, I think sometimes Christians want that, right? I mean, we're, we, we want our government to run that way, don't we? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we, we want our government to run that way. We want our church to run that way. But he's talking about the church here. Don't miss that, okay? He's talking about the church and others outside the church, but primarily the church, right? I look at that and I go, okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> For all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted in this context. Unless you're under a rock, and it has to be a very, very big rock, you're, then, then it's, it's kind of hard not to see that this is the situation in the apostate church today. And it's also the, the situation in America. I believe America was birthed by God just like Israel was. I believe that with all my heart. The reason I say that is because of how we were founded, and I also believe it because of the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached worldwide uh, through, you know, from here, right? And, and God has actually sent missionaries now to America to, uh, to share, you know, the gospel with lots of people. So it, it is interesting to me that the things that we're seeing about Christians, you know, the increasing persecution worldwide— and, and, you know, I, I don't know how many of you know, you probably most of you by now, but I wrote about Christian persecution for eight straight years, eight, eight, eight very long years, <laughs> a daily, you know, three posts a day on the Ver Voice of the Martyrs persecution blog, eight years. I studied this subject. I know a little bit about it and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And it begins by, you know, having people go, well, you know what? You can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. You can't wear a cross to your job. Uh, you know, you, you can't pray in Jesus name. Uh, you know what? You, you can't talk about Jesus. You can't even mention him. You can't bring a Bible. You can't put it on your desk. You know what? If you're a Christian, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And yet Christians all over the world do it <laughs> and they suffer the consequences for it. Asiya Bibi, has been in prison for, I think, eight or nine years now, coming up to that. You know, she was a, a woman who was uh, uh, at her job in Pakistan, minding her own business when some other women migrant workers came up to her and basically asked her some question, and she answered truthfully, I'm a Christian. You know, and then they accused her of blasphemy, and next thing you know, she's spending her life in prison in Pakistan. Um, you know, Pastor Saeed who is who is uh, probably the most recent uh, persecuted Christian to become very popular. Um, you know, Pastor Saeed went over to serve the poor in the country that he went in and to share the gospel. And, and he wasn't doing anything bad, but they threw him in prison and started torturing him and, and all that. And then, of course, we all know what happened with that. And eventually he got, he got that out. Um, so there is... You know, modern day people around us, but it's the people you don't see, right? It's the underground church in China. Um, it's all of the, the Christians in North Korea and Nigeria, all the churches that have been wiped out 
Um, it's a pure Christian genocide, a real Christian genocide taking place that that your church isn't talking to you about for the most part because they don't know because it's not being reported in the mainstream media. And that's where most people get their news is in the mainstream media. Difficult times will come. And so when I saw uh, this latest um, video of Bernie Sanders, you know, questioning a guy who's being um, who who's having a um, what do you call it? A hearing in order to get, uh, you know, to be nominated to a position. I was shocked. I mean, I was I wasn't I'm not. OK, just so you know, I'm not I don't know much about Bernie Sanders, except he's a socialist and a Marxist in his worldview. And don't hate me for saying that if you like him. Um, but but watch this because I got I got a couple of comments in case you have not seen this. So go ahead and roll that bean footage, as they say. You're the only one that says that. Oh, well, Bush's Baked Beans does that. <laughs> this is not brought to you by Bush's Baked Beans. But anyway. All right. Let's make sure we got full volume. Let's do it. Okay. And that is in the piece that I referred to that you wrote for a publication called Resurgent. You wrote Muslim, quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. End of quote. Do you believe, do you believe that that statement is Islamophobic? Absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a Christian set of principles based on my faith. Uh, that post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation. And again, I apologize. I do forgive me. I, we just don't have a lot of time. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion stand condemned? Is that your view? Again, Senator, I'm a Christian, and I wrote that piece. Well, what does that say? The statement of faith. We. I understand that. I don't know how many Muslims there are in America. I really don't know. Probably a couple of million. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? They stand condemned too. Senator, I'm a Christian. I, I understand you are a Christian, but this country is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Thank you for probing on that question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect regardless of their religious beliefs. I believe that, that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. And do you think your statement that you put into that publication, they do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ the Son and they stand condemned, do you think that's respectful of other religions? Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ and salvation. I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. I will vote no. Senator Gardner. And that is... Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ed, you're saying it right. Is, Bor is Bernie, is he a Christophobic? 
you know, I watch that, and there's so many things that go through my head. First of all, do you think Bernie Sanders would have the right to free speech that he has if this country wasn't founded on biblical Christian, Judeo-Christian, you know, um, principles? I don't think so. I think he, I don't, you know, and (laughs) I know you guys are funny in the chat room. Uh, you know, I watched that. And first of all, I have to say the guy that there that he was interrogating was Russell Vogt. I guess that's how you say his name. Um, and um, and he is a, a, a nominee from President Trump. And, you know, what I loved about what Russell said was, I am a Christian, sir. I am a Christian. Like, and I, if, you know, the snarky part of me would go, what part of I'm a Christian don't you understand? Do you not know what Christians believe, Bernie Sanders? Do you not do you not know that Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him? Do you not know, Bernie Sanders, that Jesus Christ uh, you know, is the only way to heaven? Do you not know this? I mean, are you ignorant of what Christians actually believe? Do you not know that you are born into your sin and you're already condemned to die and without Christ that you will, you know, you're you're gonna perish. Have you not heard John 3.16, Bernie Sanders? Hmm? You know, I mean, you know, and and I look at that and I'm like, golly, you know, <laughs> such hostility, I say, such hostility. It's it's like, to me, just absolutely amazing that uh, that this guy is being interrogated for holding a biblical worldview. That's the bottom line. If it was, if he, if he had said this about, you know, Muhammad or Gandhi or all these other unsaved religious leaders of the day, you know, there wouldn't be any question, right? And yet I thought the way Russell answered was completely great. I, I, I don't know, Bareface, what did you think? Did you like how he, I, I loved I, it. I think he did. Uh, there wasn't a uh, reason to go into theology at all. Right. Because that's in violation of Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. Um, and we can read that if you'd like. But, uh, yeah, I think his answer was great. He didn't, hey, in response to be reading verbatim from the Post, this is a post I wrote in defense of the schools uh, in a biblical position yeah. on salvation. And so that's what it was. And to you know, conflate that into how I'm going to handle this ever so um, uh, important office that controls the destiny of people, you know, as the deputy director of the White House Office of Management and Budget. I mean, come on, this is a, uh, it's a noble position, uh, granted, but, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not, he wasn't nominated for a, a seat, you know, a bench, you know, any court of the United States or any state, any kind of position is going to make judgments, character judgments, nothing. This is an accounting position. This is, this is you know, the White House Office of Management and Budget. This is somebody that's going to go over, you know, ledgers and, and look at stuff and, you know, this. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a numbers job. It's a reports job. You know, who cares if you believe that, you know, if you're, who are the people that... Puppets uh, Live, I know that you are obviously a Bernie Sanders guy. 
And I don't mind you being in here, but if you could like show a little respect with your language, that would be cool. I know you're mature enough to not use bad words in my show, right? You're not okay, but okay. If you're not a Bernie's guy, then please don't swear in our chat room if you don't mind, because there's kids that come in. Mm-hmm. That's a true story. So, and anyway, so well, anyway, so you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Ray Elian or you know part of the Heaven's Gate cult or whatever. I mean, this is this is the you know to take this so seriously. You know, the office of man, White House office of management and budget, but. I mean, think about, okay, so so Bernie's big complaint is he's basically a Christian who believes that Jesus is the only way to heaven and all others are condemned, okay? That's his complaint, and those people are not fit to be in government. That's basically what he's saying. So, yeah, or or politics. So the question then would be, I would have to Bernie, if I got, if I got to talk to him, I'd be like, okay, let me ask you a question. Would you prefer a rapist or a pedophile or somebody who's addicted to child porn and, and all this other stuff? And this is their worldview saying, hey, everybody should be able to do this, blah, blah, etc." you know. And I mean, would, would that be OK? You know, actually, puppet separation of church and state, actually, that appears in the communist constitution, not in ours. Well, not those words, but well, the ideas there. That the idea. Karl that, Marx manifesto yeah, I mean, wrote so, that religion yeah. is the opium of the masses and whatever. Right. But what what the, the what the U.S. Constitution does say, it limits the powers of Congress. Right. Uh, uh, Bill of Rights, First Amendment. Uh, you know, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or the, you know proving the free exercise thereof right um so i don't care okay ron what what we would we rather have a muslim attorney general i think that it doesn't matter what your religion is if you are holding a public office you should be able to have your religion but you should be practicing the law accordingly. So well, I would much rather have a constitutionalist who's a Muslim than some lame so-called Christian who is a, a progressive wacko who is a, who believes that the Constitution is breathable and flexible document. Like, right. oh, oh, there's abortion there. Oh, there's homosexual marriage there. You know, that's ridiculous. And yeah, that's that's basically why we have the government we currently have, because we have people who claim that they're one thing and they don't actually abide by the law. Right. The law is kind of important, you know? Indeed. Well, to that point, let me read the third paragraph of Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. Okay, attorney. He's not really an attorney. No. That's just bareface. Quote, not his real name. He's my husband, in case you're new. Quote, the senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, that would include the deputy director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, that's Mm -hmm. the executive branch. Okay. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this constitution but no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the united states so whether it be legislative judicial executive branch any officers serving in both the united states that is the federal government or the several states state government 
they shall be bound by oath to support the Constitution. This Constitution, not that flexible, breathable, and today it means this, tomorrow it means that. Um, then, you know, if that's the case, why have one at all? But that's a whole other thing. And, but they, the, the founders were, uh, you know, explicit on this point to put that in. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. And so if you're Bernie a citizen of the United Sanders, States, yeah, yeah he's making I mean, that, he's well, completely... you have this religious view, well, so that's a religious but test. But see, he's, he's the one breaking the Constitution right Agreed. there. I mean, right there. He's he's given the litmus test, and that's why this is in the news. Right. You know, um, and, and you know, I think it's sad, actually. I, I mean, but it's not surprising, okay? So, but I thought it was kind of chilling, but not surprising. And I'm really super glad that Bernie Sanders was there to split the vote where Hillary Clinton was concerned. Because of that guy, Hillary lost, right? Because a whole bunch of people went either further left than Hillary and went to that guy. You know, just saying. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. Thank you for putting Trump in office. Bygones. <laughs> I don't know if I'm thankful for that. It's, okay. it's better what, than the alternative. Whatever, but it's true. Okay. All right. So there's another story. This comes out of the UK, but I got to thank our sponsors first. This one's also, I'm going to just tell you the headline. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Okay. This is over on ChristianityToday.com. The UK's highest ranking evangelical politician steps down. Okay. Other articles, uh, and I'll read this and we're going to play the video too. But the other thing um, with this particular story, this is interesting. This is a very conservative biblical Christian who was leading lib the liberal democratic progressive party in the United Kingdom. He was getting pushed back because of his biblical worldview. And basically, as and, and, and I should also say, he, he is, it's said that this guy is like the first evangelical Christian in like a hundred years to hold this position, which says something. All right. But, but first, but first, <laughs> but first, thank you to our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, uh, which you guys know, I totally love and adore. Uh, you guys can go to ariel.org and you can use the coupon code Bible News and save 20%. And I want you to know that that 20% is totally, it works with um, the brand new sale that we have up for the, the Messianic seven book volume sale which is um david cooper's david dr david l cooper's uh set which i'm waiting for the graphics i can read uh, it to i you. am too but <laughs> you can talk about it and yeah. we'll... well there's seven books in the in the messianic series um there's the god of israel there's messiah his nature and person messiah his redemptive career messiah his first coming scheduled Messiah, his historical appearance, Messiah, his glorious appearance, eminent, and finally, Messiah, his final call to Israel. Now, David L. Cooper is a PhD. He has a theology degree, a master's of theology, and another degree. I don't know what it is, but it's L-I-T-T -T dot D. I don't know what that I'm is. Doctor of Literature. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, anyway, and this is the set here. This is the set. There's also There's seven volumes here. If you want this, this was published in the early 30s, in the 1930s, um, which is kind of cool because this, this was published before Israel was was uh, renamed a nation. 
again. So it's very cool. Anyway, you can go to ariel.org and you can look it up. Um, I think I told you how to get it. Go to You have to go to resources and then online store new items. Sorry. That's kind of, I got to talk to them about that um, and have them put this on the front page. If it's not, maybe they put it up there, but you can get this and believe it or not, it's only $32, but with our coupon code, it drops the price down to 25 bucks. You are not going to get this quality material for under 25 bucks anywhere, let alone in seven different books on seven different topics. Just saying, um, absolutely awesome. And if you're a Bible student, you want it in your library. Yep. Just so you know. <laughs> and there's there's actually other um, books too that you can get. What? I'm just laughing at. It's not working. Yeah, All I right. can I can pull up any other graphic. But that one. But that one. Eh, that's all right. And here's some of the other books he has. And those are all on the same page. You just got to scroll down. This one is uh, Future Events Revealed, an Exposition of the Olivet Discourse, The 70 Weeks of Daniel. This is, um, this is, this is very key in Bible prophecy. Um, and we're, at, we're coming up to that time right now. And then there's pre- Preparing for the Worldwide Re- Revival. This is like more of a pamphlet. What Men Bel- Must Believe. This is like all about the gospel, different things. Totally cool, and there's even a hand. There's even like a, a really cool drawing in here. Like, check that out. That cool or what? They can see it. Okay, I was just looking to see if they could see it. It's on. It's on nice, smooth, silky type paper too. Ah, and there's also this one, an exposition of the Book of Revelation. Want help understanding Revelation? This is a good little handbook. This couple hundred, hundred pages, almost 300 pages. But I tell you what, it's like five or seven bucks, something like that. Just this book alone. Um, but you get the whole set of seven with Bible News as the coupon code for like 25 bucks plus shipping, whatever that is. So about $30 probably, 32 or 33 There it is. Yeah, check that out. You guys will really, really like that, especially if you're a student of the Word. All right. Also, um, I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, we should also tell, remind people that Pray in Jesus' Name, PIJN News, airs on our network here on Saturday and Sunday. You guys can listen to Dr. Chaplain Gordon and James Klingenschmidt, who is the founder of PrayInJesusName.org, uh, and listen to his show there. And you can also fax Congress when you go to PrayInJesusName.org. You, you sign up for his email, but then get his email and then fax Congress your opinion. Yes, be one of those Christians that annoys Congress and tells them what you think. And don't forget also, um, <laughs> okay, I was just going to say something. All right, what was it? I was <laughs> Shout out to the pillars. That wasn't it, actually. Okay. But yes, we could do that, too. <laughs> All you pillars of the community, thank you for being our pillars of the community. If you don't know what a pillar of the community... Oh, by the way, Jeff is also a pillar of the community. Jeff is here, too. So all of those of you I see in here, for the most part, are our pillars of the community. Anyway, um, you can become one by going to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and donate uh, $25 or more a month to the show. And um, that will help me to pay our bills. 
and feed my dogs and Bareface and myself. Um, so thank you for helping us out. And uh, and there's I think there's some pretty cool perks in the in the Facebook group. We'll put you in. You gotta let me know though. You're gonna be a you know a monthly donor, and that'll well, be talk really about helpful. those perks. Well, why don't you t- you talk about them? Well, I think the one of the best perks, of course, is the unaired interview uh, portions. Uh, we've had many guests on this program, uh, ranging from the famous to not as famous. And uh, when we have guests on, we spend some time with them. I was going to say off camera, but it's really off air. And so that behind the scenes extra interview content uh, goes up in the pillars group uh, for you to get um, just some more insights and learn some more and uh, gain, well, gain a lot more from the guests that we have that uh, is not available to all other viewers yeah also though i forgot to mention the yeshua book volume three is out as well it is from ariel ministries you guys can that's what it was i was trying to think of actually but i forgot because my okay yeah anyway so there you go you guys can get that too all right and i think i think that's it right for our sponsors for right now and so. yeah okay so let's look at this story for, um from the U- united kingdom do you want to you want to roll the video you want to start with the video i think that's good all right let me uh while you're setting it up how about i read some of the article i'm a liberal okay never Too mind much. i didn't know you're you're ready okay go oh. ahead and uh that's weird um Oh, never mind. It's, in the... it's like, why is it doing that? All right, here we go. We're a top-notch production here. Okay, we, of... we we interview the famous to the who for you. Okay, I'm not sure what that means, but Ed, we do have a lot of very famous people on the show, just so you know. Right now, there's nobody famous, but we do have lots of famous people, believe it or not. Yeah, name a few. Well, we've had uh, Dr. Ben Carson on our show twice. Uh, we've had John um, John Kasich, Kasich <laughs> on our show. We've had a lot of Christian people. Like you know, if you're in the Christian world, you know them. Like like Dr. Ron Rhodes. We've had um, Frank Turek. These are Christian apologists. We've had on uh, music artists of all sorts. Yeah, Amy Grant and Twyla Paris. Twyla Paris. Mercy Me. Mercy Me. Um, John Schlitt from Petra. Uh, Point of Grace is going to be on in the fall because they have a new CD coming out for Christmas. Um, I mean, lots. I mean, I've interviewed thousands of people, so I can't just. I, we've had all the Duck Dynasty family on our show, with the exception of Phil. I had a hard time getting Phil on. I've had Dr. Jerome Corsi on my show numerous times. He's very cool. Works with Infowars now, by the way, and actually got press credentials. True story. And Tom Comer, Tom Coburn, who is a former senator in Oklahoma, has just just written a brand new book. We're booking him for our show. We're getting ready to have uh, Pastor Greg Laurie on our show. Yes, Jamie Grace. Jamie Grace. Yes, we've had Jamie on our show. Actually have me and her on video in L.A. on our YouTube channel. By the way, you guys can follow us on YouTube as well. Just look up Bible News Radio. You'll find it. Um, Okay, you ready? Ready. Yeah. So we've had lots of people on our show 
Here we go. Okay. Now, I am a liberal to my fingertips, and that liberalism means that I am passionate about defending the rights and liberties of people who believe very different things to me. There are Christians in politics who take the view that they should impose the tenets of their faith on society. But I have not taken that approach because I fundamentally disagree with it. It is not liberal, and actually it's counterproductive when it comes to advancing the gospel. Even so, I seem to have been the subject of suspicion because of what I believe and who my faith is in. In which case we are kidding ourselves if we think we yet live in a tolerant, liberal society. And that's why I have chosen to step down as leader of the Liberal Democrats. I intend to serve until this parliamentary recess begins next month, at which point there will be a leadership election according to the party's rules. And this is a historic time in British politics. What happens next in the next months and years will shape our country for generations. My successor will inherit a party that is needed now more than ever before. Our future as an open, tolerant and united country is at stake. The cause of British liberalism has never been needed more. People who will fight for a Britain that is confident, generous and compassionate are needed more than ever before. That is the challenge our party and my successor faces and the opportunity I am certain that they will rise to with my help. I want to say one more thing. You see, I joined our party when I was 16 years of age. It is in my blood. I love our history, our people, our values. I love my party. Imagine how proud I am to lead my party. And then imagine what would lead me to voluntarily relinquish that honour. In the words of Isaac Watts, it would have to be something so amazing, so divine, it demands my heart, my life, my all. Thank you. Okay, well, that was uh, Tim Farron uh, announcing that he's uh, resigning as the leader for the Liberal Democrats. Um... So there's a couple of things that come to my mind, and this is the cynical part of me, so I'm going to lay it out there, and you can, you can think what you want. Um, there's one part of me, the cynical part, which says, hmm, I wonder if somebody has any dirt on this guy, which is why he's resigning. I mean, let's be honest, okay? That, that does happen. And for some reason, Periscope numbers have just plummeted. That's highly unusual for this show. But anyway, but anyway, that is one thought I had. But I don't tend to think it is actual reality, but it could be, it could be a possibility, but I don't think it's a reality. Um, I think that based on how he ended that quote or his uh, thing, that he really was in the same position Peter and Paul were, right? <laughs> Peter and Paul were in the position where they, they, they were basically told, you cannot preach about Jesus. So, you know, you need to shut up about it. We don't want you to, we don't, we don't want to hear the name of Jesus anywhere. So you need to stop it. And their response was in the book of Acts, you know what? Hey, I must obey God rather than man. And I think that's where this guy's coming from. Um, in the Christianity Today article, it says here, amid mounting scrutiny over his evangelical faith, the head of the liberal Democrats in the United Kingdom resigned from his position and spoke out about the tension he faced as the party's political leader. 
To be a political leader, especially of a, of a progressive little liberal party in 2017, and to live as a committed Christian, to hold faithfully to the Bible's teaching has felt impossible for me, Tim Farron told his country on Wednesday, a week after the general election. Considered the first evangelical party leader in, in a century, Farron dodged questions during the recent campaign about whether he believed homosexuality was a sin, despite his political stance in favor of same-sex uh, marriage and equal rights. An evangelical amid Anglicans, he faced accusations of harboring conservative theology within the liberal party. <laughs> Even when he made his liberal views clear. So I don't even know if this guy's even really biblical if he's really a liberal, you know. I mean, if he if he thinks, you know, same-sex marriage is okay, then, you know, I don't know. I don't even know why he's being persecuted. But anyway, it's it's still interesting. So it says here, still the accusations, accusations bled into the general election. The party gained seats in parliament, but their vote share declined and were enough to make a a fellow party leader stepped down on Wednesday. Farron's announcement came hours later. His resignation was not a total surprise. Some people had been saying the liberal Democrats should have done better in the election, but the manner of his resignation was, uh, said Nick Spencer, research director with the London-based Christian think tank Theos. He could have slipped out the back door quietly, but instead chose to return to the moments of the election that were most uncomfortable for him. The interrogations he faced about his faith and his attitude to issues of human sexuality. Um, His conviction that his faith provoked a suspicion and intolerance among so-called liberals is both an indictment and a warning to our public life in Britain. Which I actually have to say, um, you know, to me, that was the most interesting thing in his whole resignation when he said he had been the subject of suspicion Ooh, (laughs) you're a suspicious character i say ah we suspect you're not really the liberal that you claimed you were (laughs) i don't know i just kind of find that a little bit funny well i'm what do you think i've not been to the uk and i don't stay uh you know stay abreast on politics there must be a few christians over there for them to turn on a right anyway what Anyway, so, you know, but what I get from his statement and a smattering of stuff I've read on the web is that in the UK is much like here in the States in that the liberalism of today is not the liberalism of the, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah, yesterday, um, or yesteryear. Yesteryear, liberalism was about, you know, social concerns, making sure the, you know, hungry were fed you know the poor were taken care of and and you know uh seen about the rights of individuals and the welfare and the you know dignity of the individual seemed to be uh, the uh the most important thing to liberal parties and now uh in the UK and the US there's a whole new brand of liberalism uh, that's gone beyond uh, you know, looking after the welfare to a whole new entitlement philosophy. That whatever I want to do, whatever I want to say, whatever I you know, whatever I want, basically, I'm entitled to it at any time. And 
And anyone who stands in the way of that is a whatever phobe, you know, is intolerant. You know, I should be able to trash a place. You know, I should be able to whatever say anything I want about anybody, and I should be paid for it. And we got these people talking about um, universal income, like everybody should just get paid something just for existing, which gives them the right to. <laughs> It gives them the freedom to explore yeah. things and, you know, uh, vocational opportunities, career opportunities without fear of, of losing their basic, you know, income. And, and you know, it's, from, it's gone from looking over the individual, looking out for the individual, to uh, exalting the individual above everyone else. And, and that's, that's nonsense because there's going to be conflict. What I want at all times is going to con conflict or conflict, be in conflict with someone else's desires, what they want at all times. And anyway, it's just this uh, it seems to be the, the mess that we're in. And this gentleman seems like, well, with the way the party's gone, I can't, I can't hang with that anymore. My, my faith is incompatible. You know, whereas the dignity of the individual important, we're all created in the image of God. Getting everything you want when you want it is not necessarily the best for individuals nor society. Right. Amen. Well, I just thought it was interesting that two people, you know, one's getting an lit, uh, unconstitutional litmus test here mm -hmm. in America. Well. And this other guy basically wimped out. I mean... It, assuming, assuming that you know he's really a liberal, then he kind of wimped out in his own party. <laughs> but if he was really more biblical, right. you know, then he kind of you know, well, it's okay. I got to serve God better than well, so. much like the radical Islamists who you know who are really committed to the ways of the Quran, the Hadith, and that kind of thing, and you know, Sharia law. Uh, there are Muslims who aren't Muslim enough to them and lose their heads in the same in a similar vein. I'm not gonna make a direct parallel. Oh, but uh, you know, in the liberal amongst the liberals there's the ones that aren't liberal enough and therefore they are their enemies yeah. to the movement, the so called quote progressive unquote uh, movement. So I want to tell you next week we have some cool guests coming up. Do tell. Um, Brenda Lovelady Spawn is actually going to be our guest on Tuesday with one of the one of the women that she's helped at the Lovelady Center. If you're not familiar with the Lovelady Center, uh, this is an amazing woman uh, who basically opened up a shelter for women and children and serves. It's actually the largest one in the country in America non-funded by our government it's completely funded by private donations and there's a movie being made about her and um people are calling that movie the next blind side movie feel good movie um she's gonna come back on our show she's been a frequent guest if you're relatively new to the show you probably haven't heard her yet but she's been on like five or seven times or something like that she's she's been on a lot you're gonna love her on wednesday we're having a guy named jonathan uh, Dottery on the show and he is from a ministry called Be Broken Ministries and he's written a book uh, I think it's titled Secrets and it's all about addiction to pornography and getting free from it 
Uh, so if you happen to know anybody that has a, that issue they struggle with, Wednesday show next week will be something that can help you out, just so you know. Uh, and then on Thursday, we're having Larry Tomzak on the on the show. And Larry is um, actual, um, he's actually here in, in our Spring Hill area. And he is, um, uh, he's going to talk about politics and Christianity and apologetics um, and his new video series, which is completely free. You can all check it out. And I forgot the name of it. Otherwise, I tell you it. <laughs> but just so you know, you'll be blessed. I already told you about it a couple of days ago. I forgot the name, though, right now, because like I said, I still got this really bad headache. And the following week, well, week Bill uh, Weiss is coming on. As far as I know, it's it's confirmed. He's the guy that that, is, that claims he spent 23 minutes in hell. And it's based on that book, 20, 23 Minutes in Hell. We're going to talk about hell, the reality of it with him. On the 29th, we're going to talk to Dr. Gordon James Klingenschmidt, who is the founder of Pray in Jesus' Name, also a former representative in the House of, uh, in the, in the house um, in Colorado. Colorado. And then on Thursday on the 29th, Victoria Koloff, a.k.a. Victoria Robinson, um, who starred in Preacher's Daughters and who is the head of our Crisis Pregnancy Center, will actually be here in our room here. I guess it's our studio. She'll be here live um, to share with you the latest and the greatest info uh, from uh, the world of the pro-life movement. So... So it's going to be an interesting couple couple shows that we have here. And we're already booking up for, for July. I already have, uh, let's see, it looks like one, two, three, four, five. I already have five guests booked for July. And it's only June 15th, so that tells you how fast we're booking up. But hope you do that. Okay, so we got like four or five minutes. I wanted to, to uh, how about we um, do the Oxford one? I thought this was cool. Sure. So what would you say about how an atheist, you know, helps somebody become a Christian? Is it possible? Of course it is, because with God, all things are possible. <laughs> God even used atheists to get people to become Christians. So this this article over on Veritas.org, did I send you that link? Yes. Okay, yeah. Veritas. It's titled, How Oxford and Peter Singer Drove Me from Atheism to Jesus by Sarah Irving, uh, who is Sarah Irving Stonebreaker, that's her name, from Western Sydney University. She said, I grew up in Australia in a loving secular home and arrived at Sydney University as a critic of religion. I didn't need faith to ground my identity or my, and then it doesn't say anything else. But anyway, it says here, um, I, think I, I think you have a different one. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Does this one have her picture on it? Uh, it does, but I've pulled up the reader view. Oh, okay. All right. So it says here, I grew up in Australia in a loving secular home and arrived at Sydney University as a critic of, quote, religion, unquote. I didn't need faith to ground my identity or my values. I knew from the age of eight that I wanted to study history at Cambridge and become a historian. My identity lay in academic achievement and my secular humanism was based on self-evident truths. As an undergrad, I won the University Medal and a Commonwealth Scholarship to undertake my PhD in history at King's College, Cambridge. King's is known for its secular ideology, and my perception of Christianity fitted well with the views of my fellow students. 
Christians were anti-intellectual and self-righteous. Yeah, put a one if you believe that. Uh, after Cambridge, I was elected to a junior research fellowship at Oxford. There, I attended three guest lectures by world-class philosopher and atheist public intellectual Peter Singer. Singer recognized that philosophy faces a vexing problem in relationship in relation to the issue of human worth. The natural world yields no egalitarian picture of human capacities. What about the child whose disabilities or illness comprise, compromises her abilities to reason? Yet without reference to some set of capacities as the basis of human worth, the intrinsic, the intrinsic value of all human beings becomes an under, ungrounded assertion, a premise which needs to be agreed upon before any conversation can take place. I remember leaving Singer's lectures with a strange intellectual vertigo. I was committed to believing that universal human value was more than just a well-meaning conceit of liberalism, but I knew from my own research in the history of European empires and their encounters with indigenous cultures that societies have always had different conceptions of human worth or lack thereof. Um, the premise of human equality is not a self-evident truth. It is, prof it is profoundly historically contingent. I began to realize that the implications of my atheism were incomparable with almost every value I held dear. Imagine that. Imagine that. Hi, Jeff Purcell. Nice to see you. One afternoon, I noticed that my usual desk in the college library was in front of the theology section. With an awkward but humble reluctance, I opened a book of sermons by philosopher and theologian Paul Tillich. As I read, I was struck at how intellectually compelling, complex, and profound the gospel was. I was attracted, but I wasn't convinced. A few months later, near the end of my time at Oxford, I was invited to a dinner for the International Society for the Study of Science and Religion. I sat next to a professor, Andrew Briggs, a professor of nanomaterials, who happened to be a Christian. During dinner, Briggs asked me whether I believed in God. I fumbled. Perhaps I was an agnostic. He responded, Do you really want to sit on the fence forever? That question made me realize that if issues about human value and ethics matter, mattered to me, the response that perhaps there was a God or perhaps there wasn't was unsatisfactory. So I love this because this is showing her her sincere intellectual curiosity, you know, and she wasn't just like assuming things anymore. She started to actually think. In the summer of 2008, I began a new job as assistant professor at Florida State University, where I continued my research examining the relationship between the history of science, Christianity, and political thought. With the freedom of being an outsider to American culture, I was able to see an active Christianity in people who lived their lives guided by the gospel, feeding the homeless every week, running community senators, uh, centers, and housing and advocating for migrant farm laborers. Very cool. One Sunday, shortly before my 28th birthday, I walked into a church for the first time as someone earnestly seeking God. Before long, I found myself overwhelmed. At last, I was fully known and seen, and I realized unconditionally loved. Perhaps I had a sense of relief from no longer running from God. A friend gave me C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, and one night, after a couple of months of attending church, I knelt in my closet in my apartment and asked Jesus to save me and to become the Lord of my life. From there, I started a rigorous diet of theology, reading the Bible, and exploring theologians such as Reinhold 
Nyber, I'm not sure how to say that. I know who he is, though. Uh, Paul Ramsey and F.D. Maurice. Christianity, it turned out, looked nothing like the caricature I I once held. I found the story of Jacob wrestling with God especially compelling. God wants anything but the unthinking faith I had once assumed characterized Christianity. God wants us to wrestle with him, to struggle through doubt and faith, sorrow and hope. Moreover, God wants broken people, not self-righteous ones. And salvation is not about us earning our way to some place in the clouds through good works. On the contrary, there's nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. As a historian, this made profound sense to me. I was too aware of the cycles of poverty, violence, and injustice in human history to think that some utopian design of our own, scientific or otherwise, might save us. Christianity was also, to my surprise, radical, far more radical than the leftist ideologies with which I had previously been enamored. The love of God was unlike anything which I expected or of which I could make sense. In becoming fully human in Jesus, God behaved decidedly unlike a God. Why deign to walk through death's dark valley or hold the weeping limbs of lepers if you are God? Why submit to humiliation and death on a cross in order to save those who hate you? God suffered punishment in our place because of a radical love. This sacrificial love is utterly opposed to the individualism, consumerism, exploitation, and objectification of our culture. Just as radical, I realized, was the new creation which Christ began to initiate. This turned on its head the sentimental caricature of heaven I once held as an atheist. I learned that Jesus' resurrection initiated the kingdom of God, which will bring good news to the poor, release the captives, restore sight to the blind, free and the oppressed. Luke 4.18 To live as a Christian is to call is a call to be part of this new radical creation. I'm not passively awaiting a place in the clouds. I'm redeemed by Christ, so now I have I have work to do. With God's grace, I've been elected to serve in whatever way God sees fit to build for his kingdom. We have a sure hope that God is transforming this broken, unjust world into Christ's kingdom, the new creation. And this young woman is now a senior lecturer with tenure in modern European history at Western Sydney University in Australia. And I don't know about you, but I love this because it's totally cool. Because it, it goes back to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, where, where, I, where, the, where the word says, Come, let us reason together. God wants us to reason with him. He wants us to use our brain. He didn't... He didn't make us airheads, you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, I love that, and um, I care about all you guys, too, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us. I really do appreciate it. Don't forget, you can follow us at Twitter, at Bible News Radio. Facebook, same place, BibleNewsRadio.com. You can join my email list. You can follow us on YouTube as well, and on Instagram, everywhere, or Bible News Radio. Be bold, stand up, and go with God. Because he loves you. He does.